Hey, veterans. Welcome to the VA Claims Insider Podcast. We are veterans helping veterans get the VA disability rating and compensation you deserve. I'm your host, Air Force Service Disabled Veteran Brian Reese, and each week we share VA disability claim tips, tricks, strategies, and lessons learned to help you win, service connect, and get rated at the appropriate level, even if you've already filed or been denied. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode. All right, all right. Welcome, everybody. Um, I'm Coach Horace. I'm with VA Claims Insider, of course, and uh, my experience, I'm a 100% connected veteran, and part of that 100% is somatic symptom disorder. So we'll do a little bit of talking about that today, and I'll let uh, Coach Adam go ahead. All right. Thank you, Horace. I'm Coach yes. Adam Castro. Uh, I have a master's and doctorate in social work. That's why I have coach Dr. Adam Castro in there. However, um, not doing any type of clinical type stuff in this setting. Uh, I am a coach, but thank, that's, thank goodness. That's a disclaimer. <laughs> I'm not doing, we're not doing therapy on this side of the fence. If you catch me in a different setting, then maybe it might be different. But, uh, <laughs> we're just making referrals on this side. We're making referrals. I was about to say, you got the wrong guy on the other end then if we go get clinical about it. <laughs> Hold on, let me let me get myself medicating stuff. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, definitely, definitely. Yeah, so we're going to talk about PTSD and somatic symptom disorder. Uh, somatic symptom disorder is a very popular secondary claim. Yeah. Isn't that right? Secondary. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually connected secondary to my back condition. Um, I had gotten myself to 70% after five years and talked to a coach here at VACI. He mentioned somatic something, something that I'd never heard of before. I was, but he, he ran down the symptoms and it was me and my life. And so we filed and um, I guess I'm pretty screwed up. I ended up getting 100% for somatic symptom disorder. So even if I was at zero, I would have went from zero to 100% just on somatic symptom disorder. Uh, so obviously it put me at 100% permanent and total. Um, so, you know, I, I I can talk a little bit about somatic symptom disorder. I've done a little research, um, but I can't talk the medical talk. I, I uh, can talk from personal experience though. And that goes a long way too. Right. That does go a long way because it's our personal experience, the, the things that we've been through and yeah. what we know that does work and what hasn't worked. And us as coaches also dealing with other unique situations and scenarios because everybody's situation can be a little bit different and the approach could be different. Right. And so. Right. Right. Yeah. You have to tease that stuff out. And it sounds like you had a really good coach walk you through the process. Yeah, um, it well, I mean, the symptoms were just there, and we train you 
uh, here to speak to your symptoms. And he actually laid out what the symptoms were. And I was like, check, 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 check. They were all me. So uh, one of the symptoms, uh, and it's even on my IMO, is somatic symptom disorder, primarily pain. And um, some of my notes I have here is it is defined somatic symptom disorder, or you may hear us coaches say SSD as having physical symptoms, uh, a disorder having physical symptoms that can't be explained by any known physical or mental condition. And that's a little weird to me because, I mean, I had had four back surgeries. I think that explains it, but it got to the point where I guess this is one example that I gave that 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 rung big with my examiner was I everybody here knows I love live music, uh, music period. And I like going to concerts. 2020 really messed me up on that. But it got to the point where if a favorite group of mine was appearing at American Airlines Center here or the Verizon Theater or one of the other theaters. I go to enough of them to know where the parking is. And I had to judge how this was before I had a, a handicap tag um, on my car. But I, I go to enough events where I know how far I would have to walk with the parking situation. And on any given time when I was having a bad time, which was every day, if I if I knew I had to walk too far, I just had to pass on that concert. And that would really mess me up because not only could I not walk from the parking lot, but obviously I couldn't do stuff around the house. I couldn't be intimate with my wife. I couldn't, I couldn't do a lot of things, you know, that, that required uh, being physical in any way. So yeah, I thought about my pain a lot. It pretty much dominated my life and, and you know, I, I'm a hundred percent connected, but that doesn't mean that it cured it. I still live with it every day and still have some of the same symptoms. Um, four back surgeries has went a long way to to helping me out with a lot of that. I can now walk a little bit, um, some distance, but before that, man, I, I just, I, I was a wreck. I, I was, you know, you go from being this warrior in our profession, you know, being military and everything to, you know, I'm hoping a two year old baby don't hit me in the back cause I'm down. <laughs> So, you know, that that's just part of my story and and part of my experience uh, with somatic symptoms. And of course, it caused some other symptoms that uh, cognitive sy symptoms, they're called worry, anxiety. Uh, I, I had to get to the realization that something happened here in the house. I can't defend my household. I can't defend my wife, which, and this is another thing for all you veterans out there. After I got to 100%, I got two weapons in my house. So if you're worried about weapons and being 100%, don't. <laughs>
they did a background check on me. Somatic symptom disorder didn't come up. Neither the fact that I was a hundred percent connected veteran uh, that didn't come up. So no, don't worry about that. I, I know a lot of guys have questions about that, but that's enough of me talking. Uh, let's let the doctor tell us a little bit more about it. Co coach, doctor, coach, doctor, non-clinical, non-clinical. Coach, coach, doctor. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank you, Horace. Thanks for, thanks for being vulnerable. Thank you for uh, speaking your truth, telling your story, um, because, I mean, knowledge is power. And if we have the knowledge, then we should share it, too. Yeah. We can't just you, you people don't know what they don't know. And so this is a, an amazing platform to reach the masses of veterans as far as we can reach yeah. and, and be available to them. So I thank you for that. And when you were sharing your story, I kept thinking lifestyle, lifestyle, lifestyle. His lifestyle was impacted. Yeah. Right. And that's why we call it the lifestyle impact claim. Right. Nicknamed the lifestyle impact claim. Right. Right. We were like, okay, your 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 neck is service connected. You got tinnitus. You got your your back is service connected. And you're like, oh, what does it do to you, man? I feel tired. I'm. I'm struggling with motivation. I'm depressed. I can't sleep well. I can't. It just hurts to lay down in bed. Yeah. Right. And yeah, then so you're like, traumatic symptom disorder. You know that that lifestyle impact is more than just a title. It, it's a real thing. Uh, you know when you love your friends, but you can only be around them for so long, or the summer is kicking off, barbecues and stuff like that. Right now, even now, I have a time limit uh, to where I'm fun and social and everything. And then there comes a point where the transition happens, where I go sit on the couch somewhere and and sort of sit off to myself. So, yeah, that that lifestyle impact thing, it's it's huge with SSD and PTSD. Right. <laughs> Right. And I definitely see it as an opportunity for folks who maybe didn't go to the combat zone, who maybe don't merit the diagnosis for PTSD. Right. Um, or feel like that, well, you know, I didn't really do too much or I didn't deploy here. And so I, I don't know if I can get PTSD. Um, and then so sometimes it's appropriate to just, if they're starting from scratch, just put some points on the board, put something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I served from 82 to 86 uh, between Vietnam and the first Gulf War. I, it was peacetime. So I can't speak to PTSD from experience other than regular life. You know, the most traumatic thing ever happened to me was losing my mom in 94, which is something I still deal with. But of course, that's not military related. However, the symptoms that arose out of that, that originated in the military as far as how my mind works and all of that and how I process things, it very much aggravated those symptoms. Uh, you know, I'm more anxious now. I, I I used to worry more, but you know, I, I'm, I'm 56. I've gotten to the point where it is what it is. You know, whatever happens, you know, people around here say I'm low key and and all of that. It, it's it's just I've learned 
over the years that there are things that we can control and there are things that we can't control. However, that doesn't mean that things that have happened to you, especially in the military, that you don't deserve to be compensated for because it's been 40 years since I've got out of the service almost. And these things still affect my life every single day, every day. I mean, I'm, I, I have back pain right now as we speak. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. it is what it is. What it is. Yeah. And, and, and I think, Adam, that, that brings us to speaking to your symptoms uh, because our, our symptoms become us. Basically, we've learned to live with it and deal with it in the way that we do. So it's like an everyday, hey, man, my back hurt. Yeah, so what? I still got to go feed the dog and take care of the yard and as best as I can anyway and, and take care of my house. You know, what? I mean, nothing is wrong with me. I, yeah, I got this, but you know, um, I, I'm I'm functioning somewhat. Uh, it's a new norm. Know, yeah, yeah. So, norm. what what's your thoughts on that? I'm thinking, hey, I, I'm I'm with you, right? The military culture, and you've been living with it for so long. I, right. you know, it's it's the new norm, right? Yeah. Or or and it just became normal for that. And didn't really step back to look at it, maybe from a clinical stance or medical stance or, or a stance from the CFR. Right. <laughs> until, right, until, right. We, until, until we, we, you know, until we come across somebody who can point us in the right direction, which yeah. happened with you, thankfully. You yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And I can't. And, and, and also you, you brought up like the, the whole fact, well, maybe I don't deserve it. Right. There's a lot of folks, there's a lot of folks in the in the military veteran community that deal with survivor's guilt. And they have guilt maybe associated with the disability stuff. And um, maybe they might think in terms of that it's maybe a hush money, you know, like here, yeah, you you went through this and here, here, take your money and, and, and go over there. Yeah. You know, thanks for your thanks for your service or thanks for your sac I like to use the term sacrifice, but thank you for your service. Now now go over there. Right. Yeah. Let the VA deal with you. Let get get the VA disability stuff and go over there. Um, now not to get all clinical, right? But back when I was doing clinical work for the VA, <laughs> um, I knew we would get here. <laughs> back way back when back when I left in October. <laughs> so uh, that came over here. Um I, I I dealt with a number of veterans that would come up with um, you know, concerns about the disability process, had a lot of guilt about it, wasn't sure whether they wanted to do it, whether they wanted to do it or not to do it. Um, yeah. There was other driving factors too that influenced us as well. Like maybe our families or their spouses are like, hey, go get that. Maybe the veteran's not fully vested into it either. Right. Um, but one thing I would tell a number of our vets is that you don't want to wait for something bad to happen. Yeah. Or for something too bad to be true to happen. It can happen. Uh, like if you have a stroke and you can't articulate yourself. Right. How are you going to present your symptoms? Yeah. When you get to that mental health provider that's going to document it, Telemedica, uh, our referral source, 
right? Or who, whoever that mental health professional is or a CMP examiner, how would you be able to articulate what's going on with you? Yeah. You don't want to wait for that to happen. Yeah. You know, and, it's funny. I'm, I'm dealing with a few. I don't mean to cut you off. I'm dealing with a few Vietnam veterans where uh, some dementia is now setting in and it's hard for them to articulate, you know, any type of symptoms. It's, it's hard to just have a conversation. So that that's a great, great, great point on your part. Thank you, brother. Um, yeah, it's it's sad. And if you're able to do it and don't have the and I know we all have these fear factors about us, like, oh, about this career thing. You brought up the gun stuff and, you yes. know, and, and and I did five years as a mental health em, uh, em, uh, employee for the VA. I never never had a veteran get their gun taken away from them. Yeah. Ever. And I had a high client load. We were, my, my facility was like number 10 if, if, in terms of output and production out of over yeah. 300 sites in the nation. Wow. So wow. all the, all the counselors had like over a hundred vets on their caseload and mm. I never had any of my vets get their gun taken away. And 90% of the time it was you know, they were they were seeking uh, service connected disability. They were going to leverage that documentation for that purpose, mm -hmm. and there was no issue with that based <laughs> on that particular VA setting. Now, the VA hospital setting is a totally different issue. Yeah. Um, yeah. But vet centers are a little bit different, so uh, they fall under oh. counseling services, and VA hospital is the the larger system, which is restricted to scope of practice scope of practice. So it might be a little bit difficult to go to the VA hospital and be like, I feel like I have somatic symptom disorder. Yeah. They might look at you cross-eyed and say, well, I'll be, you know, they might say, hey, well, I will be the determining factor for that. We will see about that. Because yeah. they, technically they don't have to speak to your claim, period. They're not allowed to. They're not allowed to. They're restricted scope of practice. So whatever the VA healthcare system hired them to do, that's what they are to do and nothing else. Because uh, the VA disability stuff is actually considered kind of like a workman's comp legal claim. You're, you're suing Uncle Sam, basically. That's mm -hmm. why it's so, the VA disability process can be so complicated for some. Right. And there's so much pushback is because it's taxpayer money. Yeah. They have to be beholden to the taxpayer. So that's why are the I's dotted and the T's crossed. Yeah. And that's why they get pushback and they know they get stuff wrong. That's why we always have recourse. Yeah. And and Hor Horace, I hope it didn't take you 10 years to get 100%. I hope it only took like six months, maybe. But Because um, I know some people really go through it, you know. Well, you know, it's funny. It took 60 months for me to get to 70% and 60 days to get to 100% using v, the strategies in VA Claims Insider. So wow. a huge, huge difference on that. Uh, but I have a question for you um, because somatic symptom disorder is complicated. It, it's tricky and, and everything. Um, what, what, I guess, among the mental health community of professionals like you yourself. Did I come um, from? Because I'm a coach now? That that you come from. Yeah, <laughs> okay, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. 
uh, how proficient are they in their knowledge of understanding somatic symptom disorder? Wow. You know what? Um, that that can vary. That could vary depending on how many years that professional has been in the field, where they went to school, what their area of focus was. Was it clinical yeah. or was it or was it just more like advocating and looking at, uh, you know, uh, looking at things from like a macro lens, you know, looking at community resources and and all yeah. that advocacy type stuff. But so I'd say like everybody's experience varies. Like when I was getting my MSW, I went the military mental health track. So I went the mm-hmm. military specialization mm-hmm. and and I did the mental health track, which was the more clinical stuff like the DSM-5, the, the, the okay. basically the mental health Bible. It's like this thick and right. Uh, you may yeah. have heard it. Don't really know. You don't need to know what it is, but it's a lot. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. And and you know what? I'm gonna tell you what. Probably a, lot, probably a lot of mental health providers that don't you know know that book by heart. They're probably gonna go flip yeah, to it. Yeah. They have little tabs in there. They have their go tos. Um, when I was a mental health counselor for the VA, I only had like a few go tos. Okay. Our protocol was to screen for PTSD first. So if it looked like PTSD, boom, that's where I was yeah. going. That's vet center SOP policy, basically. That was okay. my systems policy, SOP. And I think the VA hospital is like pretty much there too, like screen for that and then may rule yeah. out and go some other routes with it too. But um, so if I couldn't catch them with PTSD, like, hey, like, do you have anxiety? Yeah. All right. Generalizing. Here's the generalized anxiety disorder scale. Fill this out. Boom. All right. And then maybe depression, PHQ-9. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, can't get you that? Got you with this one, you know? So so there's like, you know, like a few few of them that they, they would go to, or you try to speak to the symptoms as best you could, right? Um, yeah. in, in, the, in the clinical notes. Um, but yeah, so I, in, in my previous clinical setting, um, most of the time folks were getting diagnosed with PTSD because all the clients were, uh, combat vets, yeah, or military sexual trauma. Those are the only ones that meet that criteria for that system. Everyone else had to get their services from the VA hospital. Okay. So, like, if you're at peacetime, okay. non-combat, non non MST, then it's like, okay, you're going yeah. to your VA hospital client. Then, so vet yeah. center was for a specific group. Okay, vet center was established for the Vietnam community. Actually, that wow. wasn't a response to the Vietnam conflict. Wow, that's how they came into play. So there were some, there were some awesome Vietnam vets out there that were really advocating for for the military and veteran community after yeah. uh, you know like shortly after the conflict, and then pushed the VA and Congress to go, hey, you guys need to do on the men- more on the mental health side, and that's how yeah. got the vet centers. Man, that's great. Heroes yeah. in a whole different way. Yeah, <laughs> uh, be, be, because we believe that every veteran has some degree of a mental health disability, uh, whether that's 10%, even 0%. And that 0% represents service connected, which you can build on that, you know, and it makes it easier for the other claims to, to, you know, have a favorable result and everything. So yeah, that that's huge. I, I, I commend those guys and I'm a direct beneficiary of it. 
you know, yeah. even though it's somatic symptom disorder, but still the mental health end of things of veterans, uh, it's, it's just huge. We're losing 22 a day, you know, of veterans that's deciding to take their own life because they feel like help is not there. And, and, and above all else, compensation, everything else, over and above all of that, taking care of yourself is the main thing, getting some help. And I'm, I'm so happy that, that the VA has taken the steps that it's taken to, to address these mental health issues. Cause you know, a lot of times here, here in the Dallas area, I pass by a homeless camp. I know a lot of those people are veterans. I know they are, you know, and they, they just had a hard time adjusting once they came back. And and we owe veterans at least the opportunity to to get well. You know, the country put them in that situation. It's only right that they're offered the opportunity to to get well, you know, right. from seeing the things that they've seen or doing the things that that veterans do every day for this country. So, yeah, you bring up a good point, the, the suicide ratio. And there are vets that do fall through the cracks, the homelessness, which mm -hmm. is why I'm also thankful that there are additional resources that do exist. You know, one of them being that yeah. this, you know, what we have here, because yeah. we're we're in addition to we're a supplement to what currently exists. Yeah. And with what's with what's going on, unfortunately, it just seems like we're never keeping up enough. And that's yeah. just this that's that that's just how the how the trends are kind of going, unfortunately. Until well, we can know, turn I, until we can turn the right the ship in the right direction, you know. But we're, we're yeah, slowly I, getting there, but it's a process. I think for so long mental health was kind of pushed to the side and maybe even ignored in this country that uh now that treatment is becoming available, there's just a billion people that are sick. <laughs> so you got to wade through all of that first before you can get on the top side of things. Uh, so, you know, it, it, it's just something that we just need to keep advocating for and pushing for. Uh, so, we, Adam, we've talked a lot about uh, somatic symptom disorder, my experience, and, and some of the the your former life clinical parts of of things. Uh, what about PTSD? Uh, it's yeah. huge with vets. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So we touched on somatic symptom disorder, right? And that's a popular secondary claim. Mm -hmm. um, but PTSD, you'd be looking at a primary claim. Yes. Um, and so the main thing that a veteran has to have experienced is a trauma. Number one, to even merit the uh, diagnosis for PTSD, you have to have a traumatic event. And then, of course, have somebody who's credible in that space document that event, uh, that that happened to you in service. By the way, if you're documenting a traumatic event that happened in service, that if the provider's doing that for you, mm -hmm. then that's also what's helping it make that's what's helping make it stick that the military caused or made something worse the mil if the military caused or made something worse then that's what helps these VA disabilities stick 
So yeah. if you have that trauma that's documented that, okay, you were here, um, you had this MOS, you were deployed, you know, to this combat zone, you were deployed yeah. XYZ amount of times, and then you have like a number of traumas that were documented on your behalf by that mental health provider, then there it is. But to include the symptoms, of course, like you have to get screened for it, just like you have to get screened for somatic symptom disorder to make, okay, do you have these symptoms? Then yeah. you have certain symptoms associated with PTSD as well. So if they have those, they're experiencing all those, you know, reactive type uh, symptoms associated with PTSD and that's all checked off and they meet the criteria along with the traumatic event, there you go. So that really yeah. is the nexus in itself is the event and the symptoms okay. that occur that's documented, right? right. But if, you go, if you're going secondary, it's like, okay, you have to have the symptoms and then tie in the symptoms to that service, that other service yeah. connected disability that impacts that person's life. Right. So those are kind of the two differences. That's the and difference, yeah. Yeah, and then so the, I've also come across a lot of veterans that they're kind of, they're reaching and that's okay, rightfully so. They're reaching for information like, oh, I, I need this PTSD, but I don't know if I merit PTSD. I'm like, well, hold on, let's, let's, let's talk about that. Yeah. Let's talk about that because you may not need a diagnosis for PTSD. And some folks think that, oh, the PTSD is its own rating scale, basically. Yeah, yeah. But they're the same. Mental health rating scale is the same. Mental health is mental health. Mental yeah. health is mental health, right? Rated, uh, same CFR, same range of severity. Uh, the, the way I used to break it down uh, the most uh, that was most helpful to help others ex uh, um, help me explain it to others mild on the mental health severity range was zero to 30 moderate mm -hmm. 50 to 70 severe 70 to 100 mm -hmm. regardless PTSD somatic symptom disorder generalized anxiety disorder they're going to be rated the same yeah yeah and, and, and that's 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 a great point. Uh, there's this umbrella of mental health, and then there's these conditions that fall under that: PTSD, somatic symptom disorder, major depressive disorder, generalized anxiety disorder. All of these things. So, if you feel like you're reaching for PTSD, one reason we we say here just speak to your symptoms and leave it up to the professional to make that diagnosis. Now, if you know you have a specific trauma, that's one thing. Even still, speak to that. If anytime you're talking to an examiner or a psychologist or a therapist or something like that, um, speak to your symptoms. You know, that, that that's the most important thing you can do because you may be thinking you have PTSD, but you have somatic symptom disorder or you may have major depressive disorder, or you may have a combination of them like me, somatic symptom disorder and major depressive disorder. You know, you, you don't, you don't know, right. you know, and, and even if you are a medical professional, um, you know, the, the lens that we see ourselves through and the lens that someone else will see us through is totally different. You know, you, you mentioned our loved ones pushing us. My wife was the one who pushed me um, saying, hey, you need to go to the VA and see about getting some compensation. You know, if you can apply for disability. I, I'm 
I didn't go to war. Leave it for those guys. I, you know, I have so much respect for those those guys. Go to them or the people that that women and men that, that have had military sexual trauma or some. They deserve it more than me. You know, I my four years. I did my four years and I got out. I'm good. Well, you know, again, she's seeing it through her lens and how I isolate and knowing what type of social person I am, how she saw how much pain I was in and, and you know, things like that. So finally, I took her serious and, and just kind of, you know, filed not knowing what I was doing. And then, you know, I had that first back surgery, then second, then I kind of caught fire in my efforts to get disability at that time. So, you know, uh, a lot of times it'll take someone else outside of ourselves. But then, you know, if you know you've been in a traumatic situation, uh, you know, you, you have a claim waiting. But again, don't diagnose yourself. Don't self-diagnose. Just, just, you know, whether it's the the psyche valve that, that we partner with the company for, or that CMP examiner, you just make sure you speak to your symptoms because that's gonna tell the tale um, of, of what you're ultimately uh, giving compensation for. Right, and then another thing about, I'm glad you touched on military sexual trauma because that is a traumatic event. That yeah. is a traumatic oh, yeah. event, trauma. So as long as that gets documented, then there you go. As long as it, yeah. you know, a lot of folks don't have that. I know a lot of the folks that did experience MST don't have any formal documentation from military service, right. um, just because maybe the the military didn't, you know, policy wise didn't handle that stuff very well, or there was concerns of, um, you know, possible reprimand that they could face, you know, for sounding yeah. a complaint, and so a lot of times they end up dealing with it after the fact or reporting after the fact. And that's okay. Um, even if it's after the fact, as long as it, again, the provider, whoever's, you know, whatever credible mental health person is documenting, um, as long as it's like, hey, this happened in service, and then this is where I'm at today. This is, you know, these are symptoms I experienced after the event. Maybe they're getting worse too, possibly. Yeah. Bring forward. Just yeah, bring I, I, I've spoke to a lot of females, especially where, you know, the person that was violating them were of a higher rank and they were concerned about repercussions for reporting it. And, and they just didn't. And now we're 10, 15, 20 years down the road. You're, you're having intimacy problems, female sexual arousal. Um, you're having, uh, you're irritable. You have nightmares. You know, you, you, you're a, an introvert, uh, things like that. And it didn't manifest until some years after your time in service. That's totally, totally fine. You know, if it, of, of course, you wouldn't report it when you were in service because it could have ended your career, you know, just like any mental health condition. I couldn't go to sick call and say, hey, I'm depressed. Hey, doc, I'm, I'm this, I'm that. 
Well, okay. You risk your career I, too. I'm the guy that's gonna put you out of service. <laughs> they, they, <laughs> that that was your what, answer. They they called <laughs> it was funny because when I was working on my MSW, that master's degree in social work, um, in the military class, one of them, one of the professors was a former military psychologist and contract, and then became a contractor for the military base and did psychology, you know, uh, uh, counseling work for the base. But um, she said that they were, uh, I think she got out as a, um, what did she guys, probably Lieutenant commander or commander, but um, cause I don't think she, yeah, she only stuck around, I think four or eight years in the, in the military as an officer. So, um, but she said that they were called the wizard. They were their nickname, the wizard. Like you can go see the wizard because the wizard can make you disappear. Oh wow! <laughs> you know, like you go, you go see that mental health person. Like, hey, you're not fit for duty. You guys sending you yeah. back to the rear. Wow! <laughs> wow! I was like, wow. They just the way of looking at it, man. Uh, yeah, I, I hadn't heard that before. <laughs> Yeah, but so it's it's different though, like in, in the military when it comes to military mental health. I know that we're, you know, freaking out about stigma and being vulnerable in the military, and because the military mm -hmm. all this, you know, uh, uniformity and, and resilience and strength, and so therefore you don't show signs of weakness. And this is kind of the opposite. And so that mentality is helpful for the military. That's about it. That's it. <laughs> that's, that's about it. That's it. It's <laughs> certain. Hey, kudos to the military. <laughs> they, they did it seem pretty good. That is, yep, that is it. <laughs> they made it very difficult for us to be vulnerable. Yep. <laughs> and so this whole process is exactly the opposite of what we were taught in the military. Yeah. It's very challenging, right? Yeah. Yeah. That that opposite effect. I mean, the, the first battle you have to face is looking yourself in the mirror and, and realizing you're not Superman or or Superwoman. You got problems, you know, <laughs> and and it takes a realization to come to that. I mean, how many of us will try and do a bunch of things and we know we're hurting, you know, my back hurts, yet I'm still going to pick up this truck. And go ahead, yeah, let's fix the tire. Oh, the jack is broke. I'll lift it up and you change the tire. Whatever. You know what I'm saying? Is we we have to look ourselves in the mirror and be honest with ourselves first that we're not Superman or Superwoman anymore. You know, we're we're wounded, we're we're broken down in in, in my case. We're you know, and and it it takes some humility. It takes some some just you know transparency on your part. Uh, it, it, I had gotten to the point the depression was so bad I would go a week or more without even looking at myself in the mirror because I didn't want to look at the man in the mirror. You know, I I didn't want to see those sad eyes and slumped over expression and you know I, I wouldn't take a shower for a week until my wife threw me in the shower. Basically, you know, the downside it, it, of retirement, the downside of retirement is what I'm hearing. 
Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it wasn't the rosy, you know. It's not, it's not the golden years? I thought what, it was the no, it, it wasn't golden at all. <laughs> golden as in somebody peeing on me or something. I don't know, but it wasn't. <laughs> but yeah. you know, even you, with that you being said, you mentioned, you go mentioned ahead, it. Go ahead, bro. Thank you, bro. Uh, you mentioned, um, you know, like not maybe not being honest with yourself, right? Not not admitting to certain limitations, and it sounds like denial, right? Yeah, deny, exactly. deny, deny, bury, 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 keep it buried deep, keep it locked up tight, uh, and just try to do the best you can with it, right? But yeah. you know, and also denial stands for don't even know I am lying to myself. Wow! And I don't even know I'm I am lying. Wow. <laughs> Hadn't heard that before. Either. I picked that up from somewhere else. Well, uh, you, you know, back in my you, clinical you, days. You, so. you're dropping <laughs> some nuggets today, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I have some good teachers. What can I say? <laughs> I'm clever, but I'm not that clever. I'm not the one who created that one. <laughs> you know, pastors say I get other person credit three times. After that, it's mine. Oh, there you go. <laughs> right, right I'll, I'll have to ask him if it's okay if I can borrow it. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, but yeah um, you know, um, you know, these, especially the Vietnam community, uh, just wow. You know, um, a lot of them, they they suffered the rejection early on too. Yeah. You no, know, not just not just the VA, but the community, society. Um, you know, experienced their traumas from their military service. We're told yeah. all the things that the A, the don't worry about it, the VA is going to take care of it. And then we're greeted with a different response, basically. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Exactly. Uh, um, and, and, and some of that is, let's say, again, going back to scope of practice, VA hospital not mm -hmm. being able to know or speak to disability stuff. Because also, not only does disability percentage get you monetary compensation, there is something else related to that service-connected disability, state, federal, and medical benefits, right? Yes. A lot of yes. times, we're just the Vietnam veteran would go in there and say, I want to enroll in healthcare. And they're like, no. <laughs> you know, like That's, how, that's yeah. pretty much what they're told. You know, and and but really, if they were explained or had it elaborated to them or had that person they came across known what other eligibility criteria they could fall in, had they gone out, gone after the, the, the VA comp, uh, disability compensation, they that might have been a different conversation at that time when they experienced right. that rejection. Right, right. Um, speaking on that. Um commercial time, throwing a shameless plug for our founder and CEO, Brian Reese, has written a great book, You Deserve It, and it goes through those federal and state benefits that you're entitled to, that you are entitled to. <laughs> Let me say that again. You're entitled to these benefits. So I would encourage everybody to download it, uh, I think it's like 99 cents or I, me, I, I like books. So um, get the book for like $16 or whatever it is. But it, it it's also so worth it um, to 
explore what your benefits are. And, and if that's what it takes to like, like my wife was the fire under me, um, maybe it's, it's, you know, the fact that your property taxes can be dismissed or what whatever motivates you to start your process. Um, you know, that that's a good good guide to to just look at what's available to you and really what's yours as a veteran. So uh, those Vietnam veterans that came back and was spat on and cussed out after being in combat, now's your time, uh, if you haven't already, to um, start getting what you deserve, what you rightfully deserve. And of course, not just the Vietnam veterans, the, the peacetime vets like myself, uh, uh, the Iraqi and Afghanistan vets and, and and those that are getting ready to get out here momentarily. You know, it, it there's benefits available, um, you know, whether you're suffering from a mental condition such as somatic symptom disorder or PTSD or major depressive disorder, anxiety, whatever, you know, even something as simple as tinnitus, um, you know, Man, get your benefits. Get to, that's what the old heads used to tell me when I would go to the VA and they found out because you, you're there forever and you start talking to every stranger around you. Um, well, not stranger, but military brother or sister. And they used to get mad at me because, what? You haven't gotten your benefits yet? <laughs> I'm like, no. <laughs> they give you a hard time, huh? Yeah, they were kind of set me straight, man. Like, okay. And the funny part about it is I I, I sent off for my military records like in 2003. I didn't file my first claim until 2013. So I I, I got my records, but I didn't take any action on it, you know. Uh, So maybe I left money on the table. I don't know. but I think you did. I think you I, did. I, I, I try not to think about it like that. <laughs> I, think you did. I think you did. I know. I know the claims process was much slower, probably back then. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. When I first got out, um, I got out at the end of 2010, and I was told, you know, expect a year and a half, two years on the claim. Yeah. Now I'm seeing. Yeah. Well, especially if we, you know. Of course, you know, the more claim, you know, claim, you know, more issues you put on one claim that you're claiming, the longer it's going to take. The longer it's going right? to take. Right. Yeah. So there are certain things that, you know, as far as the strategy is concerned, <laughs> that you should do and how you should handle it. And that's where that's also where we come into play, too, is how to structure the claim. What's the best strategy? Right. What do they need? What have they tried before? And where do we fit in, right? So um, that's really the value with VA Claims Insider, the coaches, not just the individual coaching that folks will get, but there's also a team of us. They run classes, right, Horace? Because you and I have done that stuff a number of times, and they just on and on and on, right? It's continuous, right? So they have an opportunity to take advantage of those resources um, as as well. And we have an online portal when they be, uh, become members, right, that they can use for resources. Yeah. Uh, definitely helpful tools in there, along with the work that they can do with their coach. So, 
whether it's mental health um, or something else, um, we could definitely address those concerns and speak to the, the needs of the veteran and concerns. So, yeah, and, and, and when you and I first filed our claims, uh, we didn't, there, there was no VACI. So maybe that was the reason it took me so long. I just didn't know what to do. I didn't even know where to start with this. Well, if you're looking at this video or any of our other videos or our Facebook lives or you're on one of our live classes or whatever, you no longer have that excuse. Yeah, I may have left money on the table, but I, I it was ignorance. I just didn't know what to do. Well, that's not an excuse anymore. And there's no reason for anybody to be leaving money on the table waiting until 2035 to file their claim. You know, you get going on your claim today because I've I don't know about you, Adam. I've had uh somebody go from zero to 70 percent 24 hours after their CMP exam. They checked the benefits the next day and they were at 70% after the CMP. Now it took them a couple of weeks after filing the claim, then had their CMP, but still within total time, you know, 20 days, their service connected. The fastest I've seen, um, probably two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah, from okay. beginning to end. That's the fastest yeah. I've seen. And so, the president of our company, um, T. Morrell, he he holds the record, I believe it's like four hours, <laughs> which which is insane. <laughs> which, which means they probably, there was no time for CMP exam and they just, <laughs> no. they just approved it. <laughs> no, oh, speaking of speaking of that, uh most times you will have a CMP exam. But sometimes you'll have what's called an ACE exam where, you know, you submitted a fully developed claim. The right person got it and they ruled on it right then. No CMP or anything. That's called an ACE exam. Now, that's not typical of what happens, but it does happen every once in a while. So, you know, that, that's like, like also another the, reason. Like one like percent of the time. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey. Uh, a, a clock is right two times a day, right? A broken clock is right two twice a day. So, yeah, yeah. If you get lucky, you can get the you know that type you know that type of situation. But nine times yeah. out of, at least nine times out of ten, plan on the CMP exam. <laughs> Just yeah. plan. And, and we're and we're gonna make sure that that you're prepared for it and, and everything. So that's the advantage of getting a coach and and aligning yourself with VACI and all of the experience that we have here. So um, I I really don't have anything else, Adam. That being said, man. Coach uh, Adam <laughs> almost <laughs> said doc. <laughs> Thanks, my man. But no, um, it was, it's been fun. It's been uh, amazing rapping with you today. Um, appreciate you taking the time. Uh, I hope that we were yeah, able to bring value to um, our company and to our audience of viewers who are watching, who will see this uh, clip. So, uh, yeah, keep doing what you do, Co Coach Horace, and keep uh, <laughs> keep changing lives for the better. Hey, you the same, man. All right, everybody. Take care. Thank you. <laughs>